Hello everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the History of Video Games. My name is Wes, and I am here with Ben. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Wes. We got a very exciting, important episode today, and I'm trying not to mess it up. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. This is a big one for us. But before we start getting into that, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. Ben, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm going to talk about Stardew Valley, because that's what we've been playing together. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the last, what, maybe two, three weeks? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. And I've just been loving it. Like, I've ha- been having such a good time with it. We are playing it because it came out on version 1.5, which I guess added a bunch of new features. And it's just a good game. It, it feels more polished than ever. Like, yeah. no bugs. There's so many little details. Like, they added fireflies and... um. I don't know. It just feels like a very polished, complete game and experience. And that's as much as I could ask for. So, and it's really fun. You always have a goal. You always want to do something. And uh, you feel like you never have enough time to do what you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good problem. And I like the pacing in multiplayer a lot better because the game doesn't pause whenever you're in your inventory or whenever you're fishing because the other player could be doing something. Mm-hmm. But as you discovered when you do single player, the days take such a long time because it pauses all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like progressing in the months and stuff is like part of the game too. So like you do kind of want to, I guess in single player you could like skip a lot of days if you wanted to, but you do kind of want it to keep moving, definitely. Yeah, because there's so many different things to experience in each month. And mm-hmm. it's just on the list of games for me that i know is like in my list of some of the best games ever like that and darkest dungeon where it's just like but i still haven't beat them i (laughs) right i know they are amazing but i haven't touched them in who knows how long so it's been really good getting back into it yeah and i hope we can keep playing it so i definitely want to keep going further yes (laughs) yeah maybe we can actually unlock some stuff this time (laughs) actually make it to year two which i never did yeah and i think year three is when like a whole new gameplay element comes in with not gameplay but like a new uh goal overarching goal so there's Mm -hmm. so much left of that game that we have left to experience yeah so we'll just have to stay tuned and we'll talk about it more as we play more yeah yeah what have you been up to wes other than stardew (laughs) well of course lots of stardew and you know it's funny i was just listening back to the beginning of an episode that we did uh, a couple weeks ago i was talking about how into tarkov i was how i was going to go back and finish fallout 4 and maybe start divinity original sin and you know what um i haven't done any of those so (laughs) 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 because something new and shiny came up a new update for path of exile which in a very similar way to tarkov you know, it's like basically if you want to, you take place in the new league that comes with a new update in Path of Exile and you're starting from a new character from zero and there's just so many different ways to play it. I was reminded of that again. Like I started playing maybe an hour after the patch released and somebody mm-hmm. had already made it halfway through the main storyline of the game. Um, insane stuff. And it's funny, there's so many different ways to like explore the end game that I kept seeing different names pop up and it's like, okay, this guy's racing to beat the campaign first. This guy's racing to do this content first and this person's doing that. So I'm just uh, loving it right now. Reminded of 
how many different ways there are to play it, how dense of a game it is because it's been out for so many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, also just amazed by the fact that they're currently developing Path of Exile 2 while they're doing all these updates. Oh, I didn't know they were doing that. I know. I keep forgetting about it because they're so consistently updating Path of Exile with new leagues, but they're just like making another one. And hmm. it's going to be pretty good, I bet. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> if I remember right, I think the developers came from maybe Diablo 2 or something like that. Yes, yeah. As far as I know, I think it is Diablo 2 specifically when they went out to do this. So, like, they uh, they know what they're doing with that type of game. <laughs> they might be the experts. For sure. Yeah, if they're doing something else, I'm definitely interested. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. This time around, they introduced a couple new gems that sounded really cool, uh, which is how you do your skills in Path of Exile. And one of them just makes it so, like, if you're doing three elemental types of damage at a time, you do, like, tons more damage. And there's this thing as a archer where you just shoot alternating frost, fire, and lightning bolts. Oh, yeah. And that's been super fun. So I'm doing that, and it's just like seeing my damage go up because I'm firing three different types of elements in quick succession. Uh, The bad thing is it's definitely not the best way that I'm doing it. Like, one of the main ways to play these leagues is you look up someone else's build and you just do that because you can get so specific and min maxi to be able to make it to like the late, late, late end game content. Mm-hmm. That it's a lot easier to just look up someone's build. And it's probably a bad sign that nobody was doing the build I wanted to do. <laughs> right. Cause I'm sure there's a better way to do it. So I'm just making it up as I go. The main thing they added to this was like really late end game content. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever actually make it to that, but my main goal right now is just to keep playing it until I get farther in the end game content than I did last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just pretty good. I got to level like 84 and there's 100 total levels. Nice. Yeah, I, I was feeling pretty good about it, but apparently like, you know, 60 is closer to 80 than 85 oh, right. is to 95. You know, there's like diminishing returns and stuff. And every time you die after a certain level in Path of Exile, you lose 5% experience. That's actually a pretty good way to do death, to be honest, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's brutal. And you don't down level, which is nice. So, like, you can just, like, hit rock bottom and level 84 and stay at level 84. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's fun. But I've been dying on the early game content, probably because I keep forgetting how to play. <laughs> because it's been so many months. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's not looking good for the end game, but I'm still excited about it. Messing around with the build. Got a lot nice. more to go there. And yeah, we'll, we'll see if I last into end game. <laughs> I got to play that game again, too. It's so good. Yeah. All right. That's cool, though. But should we I kind of want to hop into it because I feel like we might have a bit of a bigger episode. today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So let's get started on our special topic. You want to bring us in? Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the golden age of arcade video games. A lot of historians will say that it starts with Space Invaders, which is obviously today's episode. And um, that's where we're going to say the Golden Age starts as well. Some people say, like, it doesn't start till next year because next year is the year where Space Invaders became really popular in the U.S., you know? And right now it's just kind of a Japan thing, but still, it's Space Invaders. Like, that's what's causing it. That's what's driving it. And um, 
what makes the age golden, you might ask? Well, not only do a bunch of the best arcade games of all time come out, stuff like Pac-Man and I think Donkey Kong and stuff like that, but also the whole market as an industry just explodes. <laughs> so I've got a couple stats here to kind of represent that that I read online. So in 1978, that's this year, the arcade industry made around $50 million, but in 81, three years from now, it's going to make around $900 million. <laughs> So <Yikes>. it's like, <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's like more than 10 times, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I yeah. can't do math, but <laughs> uh, it's a lot more. <laughs> so that's a, that's a lot of money. By the way, the end of the golden age of arcade video games, I think a lot of people say it's around 1983, and that's when it starts to decline. So we're talking about a span of like five years here, really. But uh, speaking of more revenue stuff, in 1980, the industry's revenue from quarters specifically tripled to $2.8 billion. <laughs> uh, the first number, like the $900 million I talked about, that's from the arcade machines being sold to uh, you know, bars and stuff, but this is from quarters, right? From the bar owners themselves. Oh, that okay. tripled to two point eight billion. Which by eighty one, the following year, the whole industry, including quarters and selling to bars and stuff, had a revenue of five to ten billion, which was almost three times the amount of money spent on movie tickets in that year. Holy so <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Something else to think about too Prior to the golden age of arcade games, pinball machines were actually the most popular type of game in an arcade. Still, like even in 78, pinball machines are more popular, but that's going to change with Space Invaders and uh, they're going to kind of fade from history. So (laughs) that's uh, maybe a sad thing, but yeah, pinball machines are going to start declining now. Some other like just general things about the industry. I read that the average lifespan of an arcade game was about four to six months which I thought was kind of interesting. It kind of shows the quick turnover a lot of these games have um, and how many great games are going to be continuing to come out every couple months. And then I also read that during this time, because the industry was growing so quickly and with so much money and investment and backing into it, the emergence of strategy guides and gaming media also began during this time. So I thought that was really cool too. It's kind of showing that this isn't just a niche thing anymore. It's a popular thing <laughs> right. it's something that's referenced in movies and music and other media so it's a pretty exciting time and the technical aspects of games are also just gonna explode and become way faster and better and more intricate and complex than they ever were before so we're getting into the good stuff now <laughs> oh yeah for sure. But that's all I had about the golden age. Do you, do you have anything you wanted to add, Wes? Yeah. So I just wanted to a couple more facts and kind of like tying it together. Uh, like Ben mentioned, the reason that even though we've seen some of this technology before, this is recognized as the golden age is because of the sales and the fact that instead of games just taking inspiration from movies, now there's movies coming out about games because Tron comes out in 1982. And there's a song called Donkey Kong by a popular band at the time that comes out in, I think, 1980. No, maybe a little bit after because I think Donkey Kong comes out in 1980. But either way, the fact that games are now part of popular culture, especially in the 
US at this time just means tons more sales. There was a study done by Atari at the time, which take it with a grain of salt because I still kind of don't trust Atari to do studies that don't look good for them. I think everything they do (laughs) kind of looks good for them. But they said that by 1980, 86% of the 13 to 20 year old population in America had played video games at some point, specifically arcade games. Yeah. So that's, I mean, almost 100% of the population in America (laughs) has played video games. And a couple of other names than the ones that Ben mentioned that are going to be coming out in this time are Centipede and Asteroids as well. Um, and the Donkey Kong and Pac-Man, like you already mentioned. So this is really like half of what you think of when you think of popular arcade games is during this five-year span, really. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff going on here. And a lot of it's still going to be microprocessors and stuff like that that we've already seen, but just better and used more widely and color monitors are really going to start to become a lot more popular too because they're available now but not everyone knows how to make their games use them and they're too expensive at the time but as there's more technological advances they're going to become a lot more popular thank goodness yes yeah so hopefully it means that we won't be uh having to rate black and white games for too much longer And I wanted to tie it up with saying, unfortunately, when I was looking through all this, someone did make the point of mentioning that uh, it's not until late 80s that we get to the beat-em-up arcade craze. So that's not coming during the golden age, but we'll still get to see that down the line. And there's still a lot of exciting stuff to look at during this time. Yeah. And speaking of exciting stuff, let's take a short break, play some music, and then hop right into Space Invaders. Welcome back. We're going to hop right into it. I'm going to review Space Invaders for you guys. It came out in June of 1978 by Taito. And um, it was developed by the guy who did Speed Race way back in, I think, 1974. They did that. So this is a big game. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to go through it, um, all the parts of it. But let's just start out with the game itself. We could talk about its influence outside of things later. But let's talk about the game itself. I think just about everybody knows Space Invaders. And you might not know the original Space Invaders. You might confuse it with some of the clones or some things that came after. But the original Space Invaders, you've got a ship at the bottom. You can just move horizontally. And you're shooting up at aliens at the top. You know, they're kind of in big rows with the alien at the back being 
kind of a different sprite from the more generic guys in the in the middle. And on the original one, you have these barriers that you can actually kind of use as cover at the bottom of the screen. That was probably the part that surprised me the most from it because I didn't like a lot of the clones that come out after you don't have like any barriers or anything like that. So you have some barriers at the bottom and uh, you just have to shoot the aliens. Over time, they will start to fall towards you. And if they get to the bottom where your ship is, they can actually invade the world and it's a game over. So you have to try to knock them all out before they do that. And part of the gameplay is also the speed because the more sprites that you kill, the faster the game is going to run because of the weird programming behind it. Um, the game was kind of like running on the maximum efficiency it could possibly go at the beginning. So when it has to draw like the 30 something sprites in the beginning, it couldn't go faster than that speed. But then as you destroy sprites, it can start to go faster. So when there's only one sprite left, it feels like it's on super speed and it's just moving towards you like really fast. It's pretty hard actually to get it. But that's essentially the game. You're shooting stuff. They're shooting back down at you just like you can imagine in, in regular Space Invaders. Something I didn't realize is that the shots can actually kind of cancel each other out if you shoot and they shoot and both shots hit each other, which is interesting. And the cover that you're hiding behind is also destructible and the aliens will destroy it over time. And if you're accidentally shooting it from the bottom, you can also destroy it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that and I was so surprised by that. I didn't think you could destroy your own cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've got three lives and that's essentially kind of the game. There's a couple key things that make Space Invaders so good, in my opinion, and so fun. One of them is that once you destroy all the aliens on the screen, you get another round. And... I think you can do that forever. <laughs> like, I think the world record is like 30 or 40 rounds. <laughs> wow. So um, this is one of the first games I feel like where there's a true feeling of if you're good enough, you can just keep playing it. And I'm sure that's probably why people kept putting quarters in because they're, you know, it's, it is a good value for money. Like, you're not going to be playing this for a three inning game of baseball and that you're done. Like, you could play this for a long time. <laughs> it's possible. So... And there's some weird mechanics behind the game itself that if you're good at the game, you can exploit them. So for instance, depending on when the, the characters move down towards you, that depends on the aliens going back and forth, left and right. So if they go fully to the right and then back, they'll then fall down. So if you destroy the sprites on the sides of the rows and you, you destroy the whole row, then the ones in the middle have to move a further distance to the left and the right before they can go down. So there is a strategy where you can kind of focus on the edges and you'll have a lot more time to kill them before they reach the bottom. Hmm. So if you know that, you could be pretty good. I didn't know that <laughs> until after <laughs> I played it. So I didn't do the best, but I did beat a full round, which was challenging, but you know, I probably would have taken four or five quarters and I, I would have figured it out. <laughs> You can get also a, I think, extra life in the game after a certain score. And I also forgot to mention, there is a bonus ship that will appear at the very top and move across every now and then. And if you shoot that, it's like a random number of bonus points you'll get. But usually I was too busy <laughs> trying not to get shot to worry about it. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that's the basics of the gameplay. I think I'm going to talk more about it as I get into my scores. So I kind of just want to get into them. 
let's start with graphics. The graphics of the game are super good. You have kind of the best of just about every element you can think of. So the base game is really black and white. I'm reviewing, by the way, a, a Taito version that has colored overlay as well, and also a hand-painted background. There were versions of the original Space Invaders by Taito where it was just a cocktail table and it was just black and white with no overlay or no hand-painted background. There was upright versions that just had the overlay. So I'm kind of reviewing the best of the best here. <laughs> the best version of it that has both a color overlay and hand-painted background. But underneath all that is just black and white sprites. Every single sprite of the aliens have a little animation. Two sprites that go back and forth that make all the aliens move. And there's like 30-something aliens. So it's a lot of movement, and it really makes every alien feel unique and alive. I want to say there's at least three different sprites, maybe four or five if you count the bonus ship at the top. And then there's also your ship at the bottom, which to be fair, the, the ship at the bottom probably looks the worst of anything. But um, I think it's totally fine. But there's so much movement for all the sprites of the aliens. And then also the shots themselves have an animation, kind of like a laser beam curling nature to it. That's really satisfying and nice to watch. So it has all that in just the base game. But then you also have the color overlay. So at the very top of the screen is a red color overlay for the bonus ship. So the bonus ship is red. The main play field either is light blue or white. And then the home base that you're defending, the earth or whatever, that's over a green overlay. And so your ship is green, the extra lives are green. And keep in mind, since those are overlays, when you shoot a shot, like it'll be green for a second, then it'll be like light blue or white for a while. And then if it can reach the top, because you missed everything, it'll be red because it's going underneath those overlays. But then over top of all that, <laughs> you have the hand-painted background. And in the original Taito one is basically like a, I don't know, it kind of looks like maybe Mars, like a version of Mars, like only the top half of the planet. And then there's a sky for the top, which is really nice. It's even backlit, I think. So it's got some more depth to the color there. It's just really good. <laughs> really nice <laughs> to look at. The uh, cabinet's really cool too. It does have pictures of a monster on it because the game was originally going to be called Space Monsters. So the cabinet artwork, it's like, it almost looks like Bigfoot, <laughs> but um, it still works for Space Invaders. Like, I think it's really cool looking. So it's a great cabinet. All the graphics are really good. You also have the extra lives are both in number form and in like numbers of ships at the bottom, which is really good. The high score, by the way, we'll talk about it more, but it was one of the first games to really prominently feature that high score and make it a big part of the game itself because it kept the high score on the whole cabinet also being displayed with your high score so oh, um, nice. you could kind of go and try to beat that so it was nice so for graphics I gave it a 4.25 I think the graphics are really good the only thing it's missing is you know true color and maybe a background that's different between the stages but you can't do that with a hand painted background um, so you know, I just want the future, really. But as far right. as, like, older arcade games go, it looks really good. <laughs> and the, the animation on the sprites in particular, I think, is really good. It makes every one of them memorable. If you look at any of these sprites, even by themselves, you'll know that's from Space Invaders. So 
it's a a really good sign of great graphics. And keep in mind, even though I say it's only a 4.25, that means it's a little below average compared to games from today. So it's really good. Right. <laughs> like, keep in mind, we're rating these based on today's standards. And I still think if you were to see an arcade cabinet, the original Taito one, you'd think, this looks pretty good. <laughs> Let me get into my other scores now. Let's go with gameplay. This one was my lowest score, and the reason is when you start playing Space Invaders, you have a lot of fun and you're totally in it. Like when it starts up and you start shooting things, like you're totally in it. But once you clear the stage, you just get the same game again and then again and again and again. So there's no depth, there's no real replayability other than going for the high score, which for a casual person like me, I'm not really interested in. So I don't know. I think it's really fun. I love shooting things, as you know. <laughs> shooting games are great. Space Invaders and, you know, it's clones in the future. I'm going to love this genre. But it's just basically stage one in a more contemporary Space Invaders game, and there's no stage two. So after I beat stage one, I was pretty satisfied, and I had a good time, but I'm not really going to pick it up again. That's what is going to kind of lower the score a bit for me so i thought it was a great time but it's so simple compared to what's going to come out later so i gave it a 3.75 a lot of fun but there's not a whole lot of depth you're just shooting the aliens <laughs> before they shoot you and that's fun enough but um you only have one stage of it really and then for sound this was also maybe a hard one for me to rate i gave it a four out of ten the sound is really good. It does feature continuous music in the background that speeds up when the game speeds up. So it kind of has a Jaws vibe to it because it starts slow and it's kind of a low, in this case, it's like a minor scale going down. And uh, it speeds up as the game speeds up. So it has this Jaws suspense to it, which is iconic and works really, really well. And then on top of that, you have the sound effects, which are really good. The shooting noises when somebody blows up or gets destroyed noises there's like a siren noise that happens when the bonus ship comes which is really annoying but they're trying to tell you hey look there's a bonus ship shoot it down <laughs> which i understand like it's part of the <laughs> gameplay and to be fair when you shoot the bonus ship down it has a unique sound effect that plays that is really satisfying so i think they do a great job with the sound having music of any kind is going to give it points <laughs> in my book <laughs> and then the sound effects over top are spectacular so sound was really good let's talk about the relevance <laughs> this is the hard one because <laughs> i was really debating should i give this a 10 out of 10 it probably deserves it <laughs> like it's um the most popular game of its time it is i looked it up the fifth highest grossing video game of all time in terms That's of lifetime earnings insane i mean we're talking something that like what is it almost uh 45 mm -hmm. years ago and still it is the one of the highest grossing games of all time yes so i think that's i'm not quite sure what the ones higher than it are i think pac-man is higher than it um, I think FIFA is higher than it. I'm not sure if WoW was higher than it. I don't think it is. But it's wow. like in the same league as that. You know what I mean? Even just yeah, saying. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's in the billions. And that is just insane. Of course, it's not going to make all of that right away. But yeah, it's pretty important. <laughs> as we'll say. Um, and it maybe should deserve a 10. Some of the things it did that I can say confidently, it did for the first time really well. The genre itself is completely unique. It's obviously inspired by Breakout, but it's not Breakout. It's you shooting down aliens before they come and get you. And that is much more indicative to me of more of a bullet hell or some other style of gameplay than a breakout game or a pong game. So the gameplay itself is very unique and it's iconic and is going to spark a bajillion clones for sure. The use of the high score, while it's not the first time it's ever been done, it does popularize it. It does make it front and center. It's a big part of the appeal of the game. And the other fact is that you can keep playing like forever. <laughs> I, th right. I think this is the first game that that was really possible. And I can't think of any other game where that's possible. So that is a huge factor. The use of the continuous music. That's not the first time that we've seen that. I would say blockade is the first time that we've seen that. Right. Although this might be the first time where it's like the composer is like more in charge of what the music sounds like than blockade, which is more kind of what the players were doing. But certainly this game is the first game to have continuous music with continuous sound effects at the same time. I think I can say that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're first of, of this game. Not to mention the fact that I'm sure it was like the first game to sell a million copies or whatever, you know, like the sales is by itself is just insane. <laughs> but it didn't do a lot of other things that it gets credit for. So let me go through that because <laughs> I like to cut through a couple documentaries and stuff about this time period and about Space Invaders. And there are things that people get wrong. So let me just talk about those real fast. There is a story that it caused a yen shortage in Japan, which isn't true. <laughs> I think it's just a, a factor of the game being as popular and as re revered as it is that stories like that pop up over time, these rumors, or maybe in one small city at one small time, people couldn't get quarters and then all of a sudden the whole nation couldn't get quarters. <laughs> it's like, right. eh, you know, that's not what happened. <laughs> So um, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> but some other things that this game gets credit for, it's not the first game with continuous music, like I mentioned, that goes to Blockade. I've seen it be called the first game with destructible terrain. That's definitely not true. No, I, mean, I just played had... out. Yeah, I just played Outlaw like last week, right? <laughs> Atari 2600 game that could do that. I read that it was the first game to have a difficulty curve. Again, I don't think that's the case. Even a game like Avalanche, which came out earlier this year, once you beat a screen, your paddle, stack of paddles, would have one less paddle for the next round. So that's a difficulty curve. The difficulty got harder. In Space Invaders, once you start round two, the, the aliens do start one line closer to you. And then I think they can maybe get one more line closer to you after that, but then that's the closest they can get. But um, that's what people say when they mean difficulty curve after every screen it gets harder but avalanche did it before this game and i think there was even games before avalanche that did that so that's definitely not true it's not the first game with a high score either <laughs> um it is maybe the first one that really popularized it and made it a core element of the gameplay but it's not the first as people have said that it ended the video game crash of 77 
that is so bad to me. <laughs> like, I don't think the video crash of 77 really affected arcade machines much at all. Um, it might have affected, like, Atari because they had a hand and foot in the home console business, you know, and if that wasn't doing well, then maybe it hurt the company, but it was really, like, Pong and the chip was the reason for that crash, and the Pong and the chip was the crash itself. That's what it affected. I don't really think arcade games, you know, were affected that much. Certainly Taito, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like if, if this wasn't a success, Taito was going to go under. <laughs> like, I don't think that was the case. Um, and then also, I've seen this said that this is the first game where enemies could fire back at the player. Again, there's a thing called AI that has been invented before Space Invaders. <laughs> right. So all this being said, it did have a lot of advances. It obviously is one of the most popular games of its time period and of all time. So should it be given a 10? It probably should, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? I don't know. I'm going to give it a 9.75, and this is the reason why. To me, a 10 out of 10 means that there is a legacy to the game that lives on forever. And I think if you compare a game like Space Invaders to something like Mario, I could go back and play Mario today and have tons of fun, and it would feel just as relevant today as it did back then. But if you play Space Invaders, it does feel dated. There are better versions of Space Invaders out there. Whereas a game like maybe Mario or even like Mario 64 with its outdated graphics, there's a timeless quality to those. And Space Invaders is very nostalgic. Don't get me wrong. But people aren't excited about Space Invaders. They are about those other properties. They're not still playing them, still speedrunning them. It's just too simple for the gameplay. I think it's just a, a factor of it being the best of its time, but its time was a little too early to be still relevant 40 years later. Obviously, it did a lot. I'm giving it the closest score I can give it without giving it a 10. But to me, I don't think the legacy of it is the same as some other games that are going to get a 10 out of 10 for me later. So... That's why I'm sticking with 9.75. Hate me if you will. <laughs> no, yeah, and I and I can understand that too. I mean, we'll have to see once we get to the first Pac-Man, but I could even see that being a contender just for the fact that it's still a thing. But I know what you mean. Like, it's something that it isn't still current other than the constant remakes in arcades that are just different versions of Space Invaders that still exist. Yeah, and I also think there's something to be said about, like, for instance, Mario or even like something like Yoshi's Island. There's that timeless quality where it's never really outdated. But would you play Space Invaders over Galaxia? Like, no, <laughs> you wouldn't. Galaxia is just a better game and it's coming out next year, you know? So when was this really the best of the best? It wasn't forever it was for a very small time period so i don't know to me there's a timeless quality to a 10 out of 10 relevant game that this doesn't quite have it's really nice to look at and it does bring back memories but it's dated and there's better versions of this game that are kind of come out in just a couple of years that are going to surpass it in every one of these ratings so right whereas again mario for me, that's like, the music is timeless. It's going to have a high score in music. doesn't matter that 
Mario 2 came out a couple years later, and it's not going to have better music than the first Mario did, necessarily. Same thing with the gameplay. Even Mario 3. You could argue Mario 1 might be better, so it's different. To me, this is more cut and dry, where it's like, yeah, I'd rather play Galaga. Like, it's just going to be better than this game. <laughs> right, yeah. So there's a question of legacy for me. But, I, you know, it's obviously hugely relevant, and that's why I'm giving it 9.75. So. <laughs> yeah, it's for sure an icon of that time. I mean, it's funny just how many blogs or properties related to the history of video games you see branded with the sprite of the middle alien in Space Invaders. Like, that's the one that really stuck out, the one that sort of looks like a crab. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, of course fantastically relevant but i get where you're coming from yeah so it's a special game for sure um one that i was looking forward to for a long time <laughs> but let me give my total score i gave it a four out of ten that's pretty good for us it's maybe not the highest score i've ever given but i think that's just because the gameplay as fun as it is doesn't have a lot of depth really like i was playing it right and after 15 minutes i was like kind of done with it and I've yeah. definitely played games for longer than that. So why is that? I think it's just after you beat stage one, there's nothing for you on stage two, really. There's just more of the same. If it had a boss at the end of stage five, well, that would give me a good reason to keep playing. But it doesn't. So it's just a, a matter of depth, really. It's great gameplay, great graphics, great sound. You know, all every single rating, there's nothing that was bad about Space Invaders. It's good and everything. And... To be fair, one of the biggest games before Space Invaders, like last year, I think the biggest game was Space War by Cinematronics. I could be getting the name slightly mixed up because there's been so many Space War games, but yeah, I think it was called Space Wars with an S at the end. And if I remember correctly, when I rated that one, there wasn't a single category that was bad either. So I think to be really popular and good and to sell really well, you have to have a game that has good gameplay, graphics, and sound. And that maybe is why Space Invaders took off as much as it did. And to be honest, it is a great concept for a game. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, let's keep moving. We're not done with Space Invaders quite yet. Oh, no. <laughs> We've got a lot of Space Invaders clones throughout the year, but I kind of collected them all, or most of them, in <laughs> right now so we can talk about them. But the first one here is Space Invaders by Midway. This is the version that really was popular in the U.S. And that if you like look up videos online, chances are it's a Midway version of Space Invaders. It's basically an exact licensed clone of Space Invaders, although it had maybe a little slightly different hand-painted background and cabinet art. But it's essentially the same thing. That's the version that really takes off. It'll come out next month in July. But... I think it takes a couple months for it to really become popular in the U.S., but it's going to make Midway, like, millions of dollars. Right, yeah. <laughs> so that is the big one. I think it's going to sell better than Taito's did, which is wow. crazy. But, um, yeah, that's the big one. And obviously, with that popularity comes many, 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 many clones, a few <laughs> of which I will list right now. We have Space Invaders by Logitech, which I should have checked. I don't think it would be the same Logitech, but who knows? Space Invaders by Model Racing, Space Invaders by Sonic, Super Invaders by Zenitone Microsac Limited, uh, 
Super Invaders by Emag Corp, Super Invaders by Jutal, Super Space Stranger by Ban Presto, <laughs> Alien Invasion by Margamatics, Space War by Sanritsu. And these were all exact clones that came out in 78 for the most part. Some of them might have been um, for Alien Invasion and Space War. They might have been 79, but we're pretty sure they're 78. And then we also have Moonbase and Moonbase Spectre by Nichibutsu, which are clones of Space Invaders. Uh, but there was a separate version, the Spectre version, which was in color and the original was in black and white. So slightly different, but still direct clones of Space Invaders. But then we do have one that uh, clone that we wanted to take a little bit of a in-depth look at, uh, basically so that I could review Space Invaders and it would just be Space Invaders Part 2. Um, Wait, wait! You can't you can't say that because Space Invaders Part Two is a game that comes out later. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, not Space Invaders Part Two. Basically, so that I could review a game and have my Space Invaders fun as well. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to be looking at Galaxy Monsters by Laguna SA, which is a game company I think based out of Barcelona. We're pretty sure this came out in '78. We've seen some possible dates for '79. But since it's a Space Invaders clone and this one has some cool stuff going on with it, we wanted to take a look at it now. Uh, the cabinet itself I wanted to talk about briefly. Not as crazy as the original Space Invaders. It doesn't have Swamp Thing slash Bigfoot on the side of it. <laughs> um, but it does on the front of it just have like these crazy aliens, which are like flying reptile wombat things. Like they're nuts. It's awesome. And they're like bursting out of all around the screen, like coming directly at you. And then like these things that look like the Star Trek Enterprise shooting them down. Uh, so it's got some great theming there. Uh, same kind of display as the original Space Invaders. It's just the reflected mirror type screen with a painted background. Although this one is closer up than the most of the Space Invaders games. It's not like half of the moon. It's like you're kind of on the surface of a moon or Mars and like in this little canyon, but there's still space above it. And for the gameplay, it is literally space invaders uh it's, it's exactly the same enemies moving side to side and downward destructible barriers at the bottom of the screen they fire at you you fire at them it looks like the point values for all the sprites were exactly the same and the main difference is that all of the sprites look different and there were a couple gameplay things that are in this game and also in the original space invaders that i did want to mention you can't shoot your missile again unless it hits something Oh, yeah, it's good. I forgot to say that, which is a little annoying. It is, yeah, but I'm going to talk about my gameplay, some like unique things about that that I kind of like. And also, probably because, as Ben said, this was like pegging the upper limits of what the microprocessor could do to display all these sprites. They moved in a wave when they updated from their first sprite to their second sprite for movement from bottom to top. So it ended mm. up kind of being like this not everyone updated to the second sprite at the same time, at least on the videos I was watching. So it kind of might not have been intended, but it created this neat wave where like the closest troops to you are doing their second animation first. So since this is basically just Space Invaders, I wanted to get right into the ratings, talk about some of where it's different. For graphics, I gave it a 3.5 out of 10. It's everything Space Invaders has, and while it's not the iconic original sprites, Galaxy Monsters actually has some really cool-looking sprites in it. The ship is honestly way cooler than the original Space Invaders. Instead of just being like this rounded dome with a dot on the top of it, 
It actually has wings and a point at the top of it that looks like a cockpit. Although this might be copied from another Space Invaders clone, it still looks really good. The bases and barriers, for whatever reason, are literally just houses, which doesn't make any sense to me because they're just like, look like normal two story suburban houses on the surface of the moon. So I guess maybe we're settling and we're just using them for cover as the aliens come down. Um, so that kind of messed with the theming for me, but you know, whatever, at least it's different. These squid aliens at the top, which are normally in Space Invaders, look pretty much the same as the main game, but the other ones are pretty unique. The middle one is almost like a jellyfish with all its legs pointed at an angle, and they switch sides for the other sprite, so it's kind of doing this little dance. And the one that's closest to you is basically a stick figure with a giant head that puts his arms up in the air and opens his eyes whenever he moves. Um, so they're super weird, but pretty different, which I really liked, and gives it its own unique... Uh, feel even though it definitely still is space invaders but graphically other than that it kind of gets points for all the same things that space invaders does runs pretty smoothly has a ton of stuff on screen at the same time and it just looks cool but on the other side of the coin you do have to remember there aren't true color graphics in this there's just the overlays and the background isn't being displayed with actual graphics which we rarely see at this time anyway but it would be nice to see so then for sounds, I gave it a 3 out of 10. The sounds are good, but exactly the same as the original. <laughs> as Ben mentioned, the UFO sound for the special enemy that spawns in and goes across the screen is super annoying. I, it's Maybe it's motivation to shoot it down faster. Um, it is a good sound, though. I think part of it is that it might just have been way too loud on the emulated versions of it. But yeah, just 3 out of 10s for sound. Nothing too different there. Four-note tune that gets progressively faster and never gets old. I love it. For gameplay, I gave it a 3 out of 10. Again, it's exactly the same as the original in this, but it's kind of for the same reasons that Ben wasn't a huge fan of it. I feel like you played a couple times and maybe it's because I'm not good at it. I never cleared a screen <laughs> at all in this, uh, but I was like, eh, it's not fantastic, but still really good. Basically for the same reasons, there's changing pace. It takes timing and skill, especially once there's less targets to hit. Being able to shoot one missile at a time is annoying when there's less targets on the screen, but it does give you these really satisfying rapid fire moments when you're hitting the closest targets to you because you can fire again right away mm -hmm. and also i think it does reinforce and reward actually hitting the targets because anytime you hit an alien you're going to get your bullet back way faster than if it had to go off screen first so i think that's sort of like a plus minus for the gameplay there <laughs> and for relevance i gave it a six out of ten I mean, it's not going to get a 10 out of 10. It's Galaxy Monsters, not Space Invaders. Uh, it's not breaking any new ground, of course. It is a cloned version of Space Invaders. But I did want to give it some credit because it's a Spanish release of Space Invaders. So, you know, just like Midway will make Space Invaders, this is contributing to worldwide fame of the game itself and that genre. Although, who knows, maybe Space Invaders itself was later released in Spain as well. But I think this does at least do a little bit to sort of expand that worldwide video game interest. 
So then overall, I gave it a 3.5 out of 10. Even though Galaxy Monsters is essentially just a mashup of the original and other clones, it still has everything that makes Space Invaders fun. It feels a little weird to say, hey, this is a great game just because it didn't screw up Space Invaders. But that's basically what this did, you know? And I think (laughs) since Space Invaders just released and this isn't the 50th clone that we've talked about, it deserves a pass. It's still a really good game, even if it is just an adapted version. Okay, nice. I'm glad you got some Space Invader action. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of glad it was exactly the same, because then I could still talk about Space Invaders basically while talking about Galaxy Monsters. All right, sweet. So we got two more honorable mentions, because there's so many Space Invaders clones. (laughs) This next one's called The Invaders by Zakaria, which Zakaria is a really big company. I think in South America is where they usually are, but they do pick up and sell pretty well their versions. So this was a Space Invaders clone, although it did have unique sound effects for the invaders, which I thought was nice. Came out sometime in 78. And then we have Space Wipeout by Bayer and Brown and published by Taito. I'm not totally sure if this one exists, though, so I want to mention it separately. Uh, I think there's a f- maybe a flyer for it, but there's no evidence that it ever made it to full production. But it's called Space Wipeout, which is a good name, so. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Gotta mention it. (laughs) And then next we have Galaxy War, aka Cosmic War, which, although it sounds like it, is not a Space Invaders clone. Uh, (laughs) This is by Sega, came out in June as well, and it's just a sci-fi themed light gun game. Sega's still sticking to those light gun games for now. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see if they make a a Space Invaders clone. Probably. (laughs) Probably. But yeah, let's move out of Space Invaders land. We did write two other ones. The one that I rated... Second was a game by Midway that also came out in June. I kind of feel bad for all these June games because you know no one's going to play them because Space Invaders <laughs> came out. Yeah, yeah. But this one's called Spacewalk, and it's essentially a two-player version of Clowns, or Circus, I mean, by Exidy. And uh, that was your favorite game of last year, and I haven't rated anything like that, so I was pretty excited about it. This version's pretty weird, though. <laughs> um, it does have some charm to it which i appreciate but uh it's kind of strange essentially it's clowns but you're in space instead of like balloons at the top that your clowns are hitting they're hitting stars i guess (laughs) like there's some shapes up there that do still look like balloons which doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) there's like the diamonds things that do look a lot like stars and then like a balloon shape uh so i'm not quite sure what that is but then instead of actual clown guys jumping around you have an astronaut (laughs) jumping around and he does have some pretty good animation he starts out kind of like in a uh cannonball you know everything straightforward (laughs) like arms pointed straight down kind of pose and then as he gets higher up in the air his arms will flop open and he can even uh like sometimes it looks like he's doing like a kung fu kick (laughs) what makes him look like a astronaut is that his head is like it's a stick figure but it looks like he has a helmet on somehow it looks like it's master chief up there somehow (laughs) which is pretty interesting but i don't know if i like it as much as the clowns because the clowns were just so funny and then for the actual gameplay of it you still have the platform at the bottom that you're juggling you know the astronauts with so there's two of them and there's one on 
on one side of the platform and then the other one has to land on the other side and then that'll spring up the guy on the other side to, to go back up. So just like in, in Circus, but you have the two-player aspect of this game and that is where it gets weird. So on the left half of the screen, the player one's paddle thing is higher than player two's. So, you know, it makes sense that the astronaut's going to hit that person's paddle first. And then player two's paddle doesn't have any astronauts on it at all. So only player one's has the other astronaut on one of the corners and has to catch the astronaut on the other corner. And then when it's on the other side of the screen, the paddles flip-flop instantaneously and the other player is now on top. Which, if you can imagine for a clown's game, the guy is moving crazy fast all over the screen. <laughs> so it's right. pretty hard to keep track of who's on top yeah. when it keeps flipping back and forth every time you flip in the middle of the screen. And then you'll have this weird mechanic where, as I mentioned, like player one, for instance, they might have the astronaut sitting on the one side of their paddle and player two doesn't have any astronauts on their paddle. So if player one misses the astronaut and he hits player two's paddle, this weird sequence starts where the astronaut immediately turns into a spaceship. You then have three (laughs) seconds to aim the spaceship and then it shoots up towards the top of the screen and once it hits anything he becomes an astronaut again and then the other astronaut is now on who's ever paddle just shot the spaceship so it switches oh weird that's <laughs> confusing yeah <laughs> i'd say so so you have this weird mechanic of like you're just trying to play the game normally and then all of a sudden the astronaut turns into a spaceship and you've got a three second <laughs> countdown and it's like who who just grabbed him i don't even know and uh that person has to like you can aim the spaceship to try to hit there's a special bonus spaceship at the top of the screen that's worth bonus points and it's pretty hard to to hit it unless you aim the spaceship part of when the astronaut becomes a spaceship <laughs> to hit that one <laughs> it's hard because everything's like a spaceship in this game right <laughs> So that's the gameplay. It's very confusing. The way they do the two players, I think it wouldn't be so bad if the paddles just didn't flip-flop depending on what side of the screen you were on. (laughs) That part makes it pretty hard to keep track of what's going on. When the astronaut turns into a spaceship, it's cool, but it it does stop the gameplay for a second, which part of me kind of likes because it is hectic gameplay and sometimes you just need a breather. But um, it is kind of at the same time breaking the gameplay and you're just waiting there for three seconds. And then... Right. Feels like it kind of kills the momentum. <laughs> yeah. And this game, by the way, also at the very top, all the balloon you know, figures, they're spaced out and there's not near as many of them as in the original Circus. So you don't get that nice like pop, 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 pop that you would sometimes get <laughs> in Circus, which you definitely miss. Oh, yeah. There's also another layer below like where the balloons would be that is just like things spawning in from the sides and moving in and out and they just will spawn in all the time so that even if you clear out where all the balloons would be those are still spawning in and that's how you can keep playing but um it is a weird mechanic as well (laughs) there's like a static part of the game that you're trying to hit you've got a bonus ship at the top and then a a bunch of moving you know less frequent figures at the bottom (laughs) that are spawning in and out (laughs) 
and then you've got this paddle flipping back and forth and sometimes your astronaut becomes a spaceship <laughs> so it's a confusing game but it's uh, a truly unique take on the concept i can say that for a fact <laughs> and somehow this is also like a two-player versus game even though you both don't want the astronaut to fall oh weird yeah if like somehow the scores are still tallied up separately depending on who has the astronaut more often <laughs> So it, you can't play it one player. Um, the, the AI just controls the other paddle, but that's another weird part about this game. Um, so let's let me get in my scores for gameplay. I gave it a three out of ten. Like it's still Circus at its core, and Circus is a fun game. And to be honest, for as weird as this game is, I did enjoy it when my astronaut turned into a spaceship. I wish it was just a one-player game, though. Like, there's just no reason for this weird paddle flickering back and forth thing. It just makes the game confusing. <laughs> so, some of the changes they did I kind of liked. Uh, the uniqueness of your guy turning into a spaceship and now you're shooting it like you do with a space invader is pretty cool. But, um... The other parts of the gameplay don't make as much sense to me, so a 3 out of 10 is where I left it. And then for graphics, I gave it a 3.25. Like I mentioned, there is lots of good animation and movement on some sprites. Some of the spaceships, the bonus ones at the top, are like, there's literally like a TIE fighter as one of them. (laughs) It's not true color, but it must be um, an overlay that is flipped from the two compared to the two sides so oh, that yeah. the one side the top changes color and that's how it keeps track of things it did fool me to be honest you can't really tell but it is an overlay and all the top part is white but um, still the game looks good and uh, it has lots of good animation when your character turns into a spaceship I think it it doesn't really make sense because the spaceship is like literally smaller than the astronaut (laughs) but once it launches it actually has kind of a nice you know afterburner effect on it which is cool and then when it hits something you know it just looks like an astronaut pops out (laughs) (laughs) which is actually pretty nice so i think the graphics are pretty good although it is visually confusing to look at for all the reasons i mentioned before for sound again this is pretty good it does have a chip tune in it i think maybe when you destroy all the balloon part part of the screen you get a little chip tune saying good job and whenever you hit any of the balloon things you know the stars the sound effect that it makes is kind of musical it's i don't know it's like a combination of a sound effect and a music thing where it's like Hmm. you know kind of deal which is pretty nice actually and it has a lot of good sound effects there are times if you don't hit anything for a while that it is complete silence and i'd never like that but um for the most part there are a lot of really cool futuristic sound effects going on it's not as good as it was the space invaders but (laughs) (laughs) um it's like good for the time for sure so i gave it three out of ten
for relevance, I just gave it a five. I don't think it's particularly relevant. I didn't see any real pictures of the cabinet that still exists. The cabinet itself, it has some nice artwork on it of like a, I guess astronauts doing a spacewalk over the moon, which is pretty cool. But it doesn't seem like it's really around anymore, but I am giving it some points just because it is midway and anything midway is going to like do pretty good. So <laughs> kind of gave it some some points just for that. And overall, gave it a three out of ten. It's a pretty fun game, but it is visually confusing to look at. <laughs> and for every cool, unique mechanic that it added, it added something else that was just like unnecessary or weird. Like, why is there a balloon in the middle of this space themed game? <laughs> Why do some of these spaceships look like traffic signs? You know, it's like uh, some weird stuff. And then there is some nice fun stuff where your astronaut turns into a spaceship and you shoot it and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, it's um, a mixed bag, but one that I had fun with for sure. So considering it's my first ever circus game, I rated so too. So, yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, cool. what do you think? Well, it's, it sounds like a wild ride. I half expected you to say that the... Uh... When they got launched up off the paddle, it still made like the boing trampoline noise or seesaw noise that Circus <laughs> made. Um, no, so I'm, I'm glad they at least changed the sound effects. But man, that's that's a hodgepodge of a bunch of stuff, but it sounds cool. <laughs> uh, again, I feel like if they had just simplified their ideas to like a, a couple core things that they just wanted to do, I think it would have been better. But I think the two-player nature of it is the part that gets me the most. Maybe it's just... You know, they thought a two-player version of Circus would sell really well, and Circus wasn't a two-player game, I guess. But I don't know. I don't think it really works. <laughs> yeah, the way they did it seems a bit strange. <laughs> yeah, but that is Spacewalk by Midway. Nice. And next up, I reviewed a second game as well. I'm going to be looking at another Midway game, Seawolf 2. Which Ooh, the sequel. The sequel. I, I gotta say me and you were talking about this and we're like hey you know it's it's kind of seat wolf this really surprised me um hmm. mainly i think the visuals are what wins it a lot of points yeah but just to give it some background the cabinet for this is super impressive looking just like the original sea wolf cabinet it's got two periscopes on it because this is a two-player game it has a nice dark blue all over it with really good graphics of like bubbles and torpedoes shooting underwater about to hit ships it also on above the screen and above the periscopes on the top of the cabinet it has a bunch of like fake controls that you might see in a submarine of like longitude and latitude and how many torpedoes you have and stuff like that um so a lot of good theming there this is also as we talked about with a lot of midway games this was a contracted dave nutting associates one so they've been making a lot of great cabinets and games part of i'm sure why this one is so cool and it was rated as one of the top 10 games of 1978 by replay and play meter magazines in that year <laughs> oddly enough we did notice when we were going through this that there was no space invaders in there in 1978 but apparently that's just because space invaders gains a lot of its popularity in the united states in 1979 yeah so looking at the gameplay for sea wolf 2 there's a one and two player versions of this, uh, both pretty much regular Seawolf style. The single player is exactly the same, but in the two player, each player's torpedo is color coded, either yellow or red, depending on which player you are. And you can shoot any of the targets on the screen, even though some of the targets are yellow and some are red. And you just have different scores displayed on the screen and basically you're competing the whole time 
The gameplay other than that is same as the original, except there is an additional target, the Super Submarine, uh, which shows up at the end of the game and is worth a lot of points. Hmm. There's also some new scoring and play options. If you get four consecutive hits with all of your shots, you get bonus points. And then there's also an extended play at a certain point marker, which in the flyer they called it extended patrol, which I think is pretty funny. It makes it sound like you're just working more as your submarine crew instead of like getting more playtime. And just as a reminder for how the general gameplay works, you can only shoot four torpedoes and then there's a reload timer just that automatically happens and then you can shoot again. So since the gameplay is exactly the same, I just want to get right into my ratings for this. For graphics, I gave it a 4 out of 10 because the graphics are true color and we only had videos of the emulated version so I'm hoping there's not too many discrepancies between this and the original cabinet but based on the description in the flyer it does seem to confirm that this is true full color graphics. Mm -hmm. There are five different shades of blue that are lighter at the bottom of the screen and get darker as they go up the screen that give this really nice effect of the ocean. And the horizon line is really thin at the top and it's this bright pink, which makes it look like sundown, basically. The ship models in general look pretty similar to what they did in the original game. They're pretty detailed, which is nice, but they're still just flat. There's no depth to them, but they have a lot of designs on the top, so you know what kind of ship each one is. Uh, but they are colored for red and yellow. And there's also the addition of the submarine that comes at the end of the game that actually submerges when it gets halfway across the screen, so only the top of it is showing. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of animation there with it like disappearing. And the submarine is black, so I guess they do it do that with like coloring in the sprite with the color or whatever. But either way, it looks really impressive. And the real kicker for graphics here, the reason I gave it a four is the waves of the different blue shades have an effect to make it look like there's waves in the ocean, which is really crazy. It's basically just, you know, there's these bars of color that move up and down at different like rates across all of it. So all of the different sections of the different colors of blue are getting smaller and bigger at different times. And it just does this really good effect that you have to look at, but it basically looks like an old school game doing waves in the ocean, but it looks really believable. And I just think it's so much better than the original because the original was just kind of black with like waves drawn on the top and really great for 1978 to see like these moving true color sections of the screen that make a wave effect animation. So that's the main thing about the graphics that really blew me away for this. For sounds, I gave it a 2.5 out of 10. As far as I could tell, the sounds are exactly the same as the original, but they're still really good. There's a good whoosh for the torpedoes. There's this nice sonar noise that only happens periodically, uh, not the whole game, which I kind of like. It's not too overwhelming. There's this funny siren noise for the submarine submerging, which I think was used specifically for the PT boat in the first game, but they kind of repurposed it for this. So nothing extraordinary, nothing new, but they all still sound really good for a 1978 game.
gameplay, I gave it a 3.5 out of 10. Seawolf 2 is still just a missile attack type game, but having two players play simultaneously instead of taking turns is a really new dimension to this type of game. You're competing over the same targets, you have color-coded torpedoes so it's easy to see who's shooting, and the scores, even though we don't really like to talk about scores as a benefit <laughs> anymore, they look really good in this. There's black boxes in the corner of the screen and then the numbers are colored to match which player you are. Uh, plus, I really like the addition of the bonus points for hitting successive targets, so it rewards your skill there. And the super sub at the end of the game is just kind of like a nice last-ditch effort where you could turn the game around if you were behind and then you just start going for the super sub instead. And I forgot to mention this in graphics, but the words super sub and bonus also show up on the screen when any of those scoring events happen. And it's like in this really cool not solid like hashed font that looks pretty good and you're like playing it on a periscope right yeah yeah so half of the visuals too i was so excited about the true color i didn't really talk about this in the periscope there's reflected lights behind the screen i think that reflect into this periscope to show you red circles with numbers counting down how many shots that you have left and also i think there were extra explosion graphics in there there was also like an exploding sprite actually on screen, but there was something else through the periscope that you could actually see. So yeah, that's another whole gameplay aspect of this. You're looking through the periscope and immersed and hitting the button on the side of the periscope to shoot every time you do it and mm -hmm. looking side to side to actually move across the sides of the screen. So it's just a neat experience and cool to be competing with someone right next to you when you're doing that. So for relevance, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, I just think the color is killer, and we haven't seen many games do true color this well on an arcade cabinet, so I think it deserves some props for that. And plus, I feel like it just added two-player to a single-player game that did pretty well, and it didn't ruin the gameplay, which is saying a lot for a sequel that adds a second player to it. So I wanted to give it a decent bit of, as far as relevance. Since Seawolf is still like a recognized old arcade game name today, and I feel like Seawolf 2 isn't making it less known. You know, it's just like continuing on that legacy, and it's part of what's going to help keep that name alive for a little bit. Obviously, nowhere near as important as uh, Space Invaders, but wanted to give it a little bit of credit. And so overall, that left me with a 3.5 out of 10. Seawolf 2 looks incredible. It plays great. And it feels like it kind of just made improvements on Seawolf 1, which is always what we're looking for with a good sequel. Yeah, a true graphics overhaul for sure. Yes, yeah, and that's, they did enough of a good job that that was enough for me to be like, this is, how would I ever play Seawolf 1 again? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes to show what true color graphics mean to us too. Yeah, and really that wave animation. I gotta tell you, it's so simple, but... I thought you would like it, because it, it almost looks flickery to me. It does, yeah. It kind of jitters across the screen. But while you're playing the game in the background, it gave me the effect of the ocean moving. So okay. I could see some people not liking it, but it really jived with me for whatever that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but let's wrap up with our last few honorable mentions for the day. 
Uh, we have Spaceship by Sega and Cinematronics in June, which is a licensed version of Cinematronics Space Wars. It looks like maybe a meteor was added, but it's hard to tell if there was any other differences, uh, especially since the flyer that we have for it is in Japanese, so it's kind of hard to copy-paste out of those PDFs to translate that. And then next we have Space Wars by Sonic and Space Wars by Rate Electronics, both of which were Space Wars clones by Cinematronics, and these were from Spain and New Zealand, respectively. Uh, but we don't have too much information on those. And then finally, to wrap it up, we've got Top Bowler and TT Top Bowler, which is the tabletop cocktail version by Taito, which also came out in June 78. This is Taito's version of a bowling game, uh, similar to Meadows Lanes or Robot Bowl. It looked interesting. I found like two 15-second videos of like the attract mode, but I didn't find any videos of the gameplay. So I wanted to rate it, but we just don't have the information we need to do so. So it looked cool, looked like another Meadows Lanes type game, but um, from Taito. So I was interested in it, but we just couldn't find the information to rate it. But that's going to do it for us today, guys. We did Space Invaders. We are in the golden age of arcade video games now. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's a new age. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I hope you're not still mad about me not giving it a 10 out of 10 in relevance, but. <laughs> Shouldn't have reminded them. <laughs> it was a great game it was solid in every score but it's a little bit outdated (laughs) compared to today but I still really enjoyed my time with it both Wes and I reviewed a Space Invaders type game this is called Galaxy Monsters and then we did two Midway games Spacewalk which was their version of a clown game or circus game they actually did a like straight up port of circus called clowns so this is like a a different take on something they already cloned and then seawolf 2 the the highly anticipated sequel (laughs) to seawolf which was a great graphics overhaul and the gameplay is still good so yeah yeah and we're just so excited to be finally getting to some of the fantastic big name games in history and more excited to be able to say hey you know this actually isn't the first game to have done all this thing when we look at space evader because we're doing the month by month breakdown so if you're enjoying what we're doing here make sure to follow us on twitter where we'll post announcements about episodes when we're putting them up Uh, check out our website where we have a timeline of all the games we've covered so far and what we thought of them and also make sure to send us an email if you have any questions and one quick thing, I've been updating the website over the past like week or two, so there should be a lot more information. All of 77 is up now, and um, what else did I do? I updated the developer pages. I've been making a lot of the pages good for mobile devices, so I've been putting in a lot of good work, so go check it out. And uh, in the meantime, we'll catch you next week. See you all next time. <laughs>